When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is what on man, the phone. Everybody, episode seven. With the podcast, it should be American. The first sports podcast presented. Bye bye, Fred Sportsbook. It is Monday, July 10th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. And when I tell you, we have a freakishly busy episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast here on a Monday in July. There is no vacation, there is no off season for this show. And we got ourselves a lot to talk about here on today's show. Here is what we are going to discuss. We're going to open. It was the debut that we have all been waiting for. Victor Wenbanyama makes his summer league debut. I've got some thoughts. I thought overall it looked pretty good, not great. He's not the best ever. He's not the worst ever. He's not the biggest bust ever. We're going to discuss it all. From there, we'll take a quick break. How about Bob Huggins, man? Bob Huggins, just when we thought he was ready to ride into the sunset, quietly disappear into the shadows, he is back. Bob Huggins wants his job back at West Virginia. I wish I was kidding. From there, we'll take a quick break and we will wrap. You know, uh, college hoops recruiting is a little bit of a niche thing. So I wanted to save it till the end. But this week was Peach Jam, as one of you referenced on Friday's episode of the Aaron Torres pod. Uh, it is It was Peach Jam. And I have some really important recruiting updates on Cooper Flag, number one player in America, uh, the Boozer twins, Carlos Boozer sons. A lot of really interesting recruiting news. We will save that for the back end of the show. So busy show, fun show. A couple quick things before we get started. One, uh, if you do have any questions, make sure to mail Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. We did the mailbag show on Friday. I can tell you the downloads were, 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 were through the roof, frankly. I was very pleasantly surprised with how into it you guys and girls were. So make sure to send in your questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. And then from there, I just appreciate everybody's support. June looked at the numbers. YouTube has doubled from this year to last year, year over year. It has doubled from 2022 to 2023. So thank you all for your support. Uh, If you are subscribed via the podcast platforms, whether it's Apple, Spotify, make sure you're also subscribed on YouTube as well. Closing in on 24,000 subscribers. Goal is to be at 30,000 before the start of college football season. With that said, let's not waste any more time and let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, listen, I'll say that sometimes because of the way this show is structured, we're focused mostly on college sports and basketball, sometimes more than football. It, the point I'm trying to make, sometimes the biggest story in sports isn't always the biggest story for us here on a Monday. I bring it up to say that is not the case because the story that everybody across sports was fascinated in is where we are going to lead today's show. 
as Victor Winbanyama. We've heard about him for years. He's been hyped for month months. We've been told he's the greatest prospect in the history of American team sports. He made his debut on Friday night at Summer League. It wasn't that great. Here's the good news, though. He came back on Sunday. He was phenomenal. And I want to break down his opening weekend because I am ready to admit he is not the greatest prospect that has ever lived, but that's okay. He's also not a total bust either. I want to get into it, want to discuss what I saw and what probably many of you saw as well. Before we get into it, let me just say this really quickly. Credit to the San Antonio Spurs. Listen, I know that at times I can be critical of the NBA. I do think too often star players don't want to play. I don't like Adam Silver. I think he's a phony without a backbone. But I do give the San Antonio Spurs credit because I do think sometimes summer league is kind of deemed this thing that elite players don't have to do, right? Zion Williamson played a half and was shut down in summer league. Uh, Markel Fultz did not play a game when he was the number one overall pick. Lonzo Ball, we all remember that season when he may or may not have been ducking De'Aaron Fox, plays a game or two, and then does not play from there. And so I bring it up because I give the San Antonio Spurs a ton of credit. They seem to understand two things. One, Victor Wimbanyama is the guy that everybody is coming to see. He played 27 minutes on Friday night in his debut even came back late in the game, like like San Antonio, the game was kind of over. They brought him back in with about four minutes to go. I love that. And then they brought him back on Sunday. I thought maybe he plays one game. They shut him down on Sunday. Instead, he plays Sunday, 27 minutes on Sunday. And so I just give the San Antonio Spurs credit. They are not hiding him. They are. He's not ducking people. We'll see if he keeps playing as summer league goes on. My guess is they eventually shut him down. But I'm just happy that we got a chance to see him play. Now, in terms of what we saw, listen, I'm not the person that was hyping him up as the greatest prospect that's ever lived. As you know, there's been a lot of talk and hyperbole and this and that. Uh, as I joked earlier, Adrian Wojnarowski called him the greatest prospect in the history of American team sports. Others have said he's the most hyped player since LeBron. I've never bought that. But what I have always said about Victor Wimbanyama, I think I've been pretty consistent on this. And that's as somebody who covers college basketball, as somebody who has seen young players get hyped before. I think I've been pretty consistent on this. My stance on Victor Wimbanyama is pretty simple. I think the best way to describe Victor Wimbanyama and the way that I have is this, is I do think it's fair to say that at seven foot five, with the skills that he has, the three-point shooting, the way he can handle the ball. He has a skill set unlike anything that we have ever seen. I think that's fair to say. I also think it's fair to say that if it clicks, if it all comes together, if he's got the work ethic, if he's got the drive, if he stays healthy, if he can put on a little weight, if he's coached properly, if he has the right teammates, then yes. Like I don't think it's hyperbole to say that he could go down as an all-time great. I'm not ready to say he's going to be better than Kareem or LeBron or whoever, but I think he has a chance to be really special. But at the same time, I have thought it's a little bit much, and I do think it's probably unfair to the kid. I'll actually give credit to Draymond Green. Draymond Green, a guy that I have been very critical of, and sometimes he says stuff that I don't like. But like he said last week, he said, you guys in the media are putting way too much pressure on this guy. Um, you're setting him up to fail. And let's just let this kid develop at his own pace. And so as we get into this past weekend at Summer League in Vegas, I think what's pretty clear to me is this. 
He's exactly what I just said. He's a unique guy with unique tools and a unique skill set. But he is far from a finished product. And the idea that he is going to come into the league and take the league by storm and dominate it next year, we're, we're, we're a little ways away from that. Now, in terms of what happened this weekend, first of all, Friday night, it was a struggle. I watched the game. I was hosting Fox Sports Radio on Friday night. I was in front of a TV when he made his debut. It wasn't pretty. Two of 13 from the field on Friday night. Nine points, eight rebounds, did have five blocks. But to his credit, I thought he bounced back and looked much, much, much better. On Sunday, 27 points in 27 minutes. This was a guy that also on top of that, not only had 27 points in 27 minutes, nine of 14 shooting from the field, hit two three-pointers, 12 rebounds, and three blocks. Now, in terms of what I liked and didn't like, let's just get into that really quick. In terms of what I liked, a couple things stood out. One, you can see that the skill set is there. Now, if you watched on Friday night, the thing that stood out to me on Friday, it really felt to me like when Banyama was trying too hard to prove that I'm a good teammate and I'm a good this and I'm a good that and I'm not overhyped and I'm not trying to be selfish and I'm not trying to be a generational prospect on night one. I just had my run-in with Britney Spears. I don't want to talk about that. I'm here to focus on basketball. And I thought he pressed too hard. I thought he tried too hard to get others involved. You know, he would catch the ball at the top of the key, tried too hard to hit cutters and pass and do this and that. But on Sunday, I think we saw the full skill set. Offensive skill set is there. He's a guy that can hit a three-pointer. There was a play late in the game when his team was trailing. They needed a three. He kind of caught the ball in the mid post, put the ball between his legs, stepped back behind the three-point line, nailed it for three. One of the most impressive plays at Summer League all summer long. Mid-range jumper is there. And I do think even from night one to night two, you could see him get more comfortable in the paint. Had a couple throwdown dunks. There was one really cool play on Sunday, as a matter of fact, where a, 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 a ball kind of bounced off the rim. He tipped it to himself. And then before anyone realized what happened, he grabbed it and threw it down. So you can see that the offense is there. And then it goes without saying the defense is there as well. Seven foot five. And this was the thing from the beginning. I, I don't think any of us disagreed. Is like, if this clicks, he can be an elite defender right away. Well, five, five blocks on night one, three blocks on night two. He was phenomenal. Now, in terms of what he's got to work on, listen, he's not the perfect prospect. I don't know if such a thing exists. And he does have stuff to work on. Most notable thing, in my opinion, got to put on weight. Like, if you watch these games, you could see that he was getting bullied in the paint within five, 10 feet of the basket. Every time he got down there, somebody's throwing an elbow in his, in his rib cage, by the way, because he's seven foot five. So if you're six, eight and you're trying to elbow him, put an elbow in his back, it's actually going into his rib cage. So you could see on night one, especially against Charlotte, that was the plan. And on night one, it got to him. Like I talked to Mark Medina, who's done some stuff for Aaron Torres online.com NBA writer, long times, worked for the NBA, uh, NBA.com and the LA Times and whatever. And Mark was in Vegas for his debut. And I talked to Mark and he was like, yeah, you know, when people threw an elbow in him, when people threw an elbow in his side, you could tell he was getting frustrated. And that was what impressed me on night two is you could tell even from night one to night two, the physicality he got more comfortable with. And it's something he's going to have to get comfortable with as he goes on. The other thing 
just got to put on weight, man. I I think not only the physicality, but also just from a weight perspective, he got kind of moved around too much. There was a couple plays where he went up, he kind of falls down and you can kind of see like when he falls down, there's kind of a little gasp in the building of like, I hope he's okay. Now I think he will be fine. I'm not worried about it. This guy's been playing high level basketball forever. Um, But I guess what I would just say is this, is that I thought in the first weekend, now by the time you guys and girls listen to this, maybe things have changed. Maybe he has another game where he goes one of 27 from the field. I don't know what's going to happen. But what I'm here to say is through those first two games, I actually thought he looked pretty good. I thought it's a process. I think it's going to take time. And I think the number one piece of information that I've kind of gathered about Victor Wenbanyama over the last couple of days is exactly what I said. If you thought he was going to come into the league, be one of the two or three most dominant players, take over this sport, that's just not going to happen. But if you're willing to accept that he is a unique player with a unique skill set that has a unique opportunity to have a special career if we're all patient, then I think we're in for a treat and I think he could be special. Also think it's worth noting this. Have you watched Chet Holmgren in Summer League? Chet Holmgren, of course, got hurt this time last year. Now, you never wish ill will upon anybody, but he came back about 20 pounds heavier And from year one to year two, you can see he's not getting pushed around. He's not getting bullied. He's not getting out physical. And so even from rookie year to second year, you can see the difference in Chet Holmgren. And so this is going to take time with Victor Wimbanyama. Be patient. I think it's going to work out. I think he has a chance to be special. By the way, Summer League, I'll just say this, has been very fun early on. If you love college hoops, I encourage you to check it out. Jabari Smith, by the way, has been off the charts. 30, I think he's averaging 37 a game through his first two games, 36 in game one, 38 in game two. Um, I mentioned Chet Holmgren's playing really well. Brandon Miller's looked better. Just a fun, fun, fun event. But obviously the story is Victor Wimbanyama. All right, this is what I want to do. Take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about something not so fun. Bob Huggins. Have you seen what happens with Bob Huggins? He appears ready to go to war with West Virginia. He wants his job back, ready to sue the school. Don't think it's going to work out well for Huggy Bear. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story started in 1967 in the UK, over a thousand shops in the UK, and they have now come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of not only all things Aaron Torres Media, but the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos, the Cincinnati Bengals. And what I love about Betfred, nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred does. I've been telling you that for a year. We have sent listeners of the Aaron Torres pod to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. The Betfred suite at Cincinnati Bengals games is rocking. Betfred betters have thrown out first pitch at the Colorado Rockies games. Nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred, and here is what they are doing for you right now. How about this? Bet $50 on any game. Get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Bet 50 bucks on anything you want to bet on you automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get up to $200 in insurance for your first five weeks as a Betfred customer, totaling $1,111 in free bets. I've told you for a year, nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. They're the only book that I bet with, 
And I want to thank Betfred for being our presenting sponsor. All right, everybody. Not back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Do want to switch gears. And I want to talk about a story that, frankly, I thought we were kind of done talking about about two, two and a half, three weeks ago. And that's the saga of Bob Huggins and West Virginia University. Uh, by now, I think you kind of know where we last left this story. Kind of a, a, a sad deal all around. West Virginia basketball coach Bob Huggins, Hall of Famer, one of the greats to ever do it. Uh, he was actually, I believe, the all-time winningest coach in college basketball as of uh, when he uh, this incident in June. But in June, Bob Huggins was arrested for a DUI. I don't need to go through all the details again, but when the details came out, it was really, really, really ugly. Uh, he was in Pittsburgh, couldn't explain why he was in Pittsburgh. This all, according to the police report, had hours upon hours of time that he could not account for, could not explain where he was, and was essentially nearly three times the legal limit when he was arrested. So after that, we have this weird situation where um, he goes back to the school, and the, and the, that was on a Friday night, and then Saturday night, there's just this weird reporting about is he stepping away from the program? Is he, There was a report that he wasn't going to coach this year. And then eventually, we all kind of settled on he has resigned as West Virginia's basketball coach, and we all moved on. At that point, we didn't really hear all that much from Huggins' camp. His daughter did kind of have a, a statement that, that was put out on social media that we talked about on this show. West Virginia named an interim head coach, and that's where we thought we were. Should mention, by the way, that Bob Huggins' arrest came just a few weeks after he made an appearance on a radio show in which he did use a homophobic slur. Uh, the school stood by him at that point, but obviously after the, the DUI, it felt like everybody agreed that it was time for everyone to move on, for Bob Huggins to get some sort of treatment, and for, again, West Virginia to move on and Bob Huggins, etc. And so that is where we thought we left this story, and we, we really haven't had very many updates since then. At least until Saturday. That was because on Saturday night, a lawyer representing Bob Huggins. Now, interestingly, it's not the lawyer that has represented him this whole time. Sent a statement to West Virginia basically saying Bob Huggins expects Bob Huggins never officially resigned and that Bob Huggins expects to be reinstated as West Virginia's basketball coach. And if he's not, he's going to sue the university. And so all I can say is this is a wild story, a crazy story, a lot of ways a sad story, and mostly just a you-know-what show at West Virginia, but more specifically for Bob Huggins. In terms of the details, listen, I I, I read all the, the, the legal reports, so you don't have to, essentially, but basically what you need to know is a couple of things. One, Bob Huggins is claiming um, that he never officially resigned, that the resignation came from his wife. And since this whole situation happened, essentially he has gone to rehab for, I we I think we all assume, kind of alcohol addiction or, or alcohol abuse at the very least. Um, and now that he's out of rehab, he kind of wants his job back. And, and, and what this new lawyer is essentially saying is that it's basically a breach of contract to fire him um, given the situation. There is sort of a precedent for this if you remember, and this is another sad update, but if you remember when Steve Sarkeesian got fired at USC, it was a very similar situation. Was Steve Sarkeesian, some of his lawyers, I'm not going to get too much into it, but essentially told the school, you can't fire someone 
um, while they're seeking counseling for substance abuse. And essentially, it feels like that is what Bob Huggins lawyers are trying to say Um, in the statement. I will read a little bit of it. But uh, it says, regardless of West Virginia's actions for reaching this point, West Virginia is faced with the following choices. Reinstate Coach Huggins to his head basketball coach position once the rehabilitation program is completed, pursuant to the plain terms of his employment agreement, that's his contract, or remain in breach of the employment agreement and face litigation. The litigation will not only involve the breach of the employment agreement, but also West Virginia's clear violation of state and federal law terminating Coach Huggins without due process or even an interview to determine the true facts, not those reported to the media. As you can guess, um, West Virginia has basically uh, released its own statement. And basically what they said is this is like, we don't even know who this lawyer is. Bob Huggins has had previous lawyers before. We don't know who this guy is, and so we don't know if we should be processing the, the the retirement or whether we should be dealing with this. And basically, it doesn't make Bob Huggins look very good. I'll read very quickly a, uh, a part of the correspondence from West Virginia. The conflicting communications and correspondence from various counsel on Mr. Huggins' behalf leave the university unclear as to its next steps. Continue working collaboratively with Mr. Fitzsimmons on common resignation retirement benefits for a former university employee. Mr. Fitzsimmons is his former uh, lawyer or respond to meritless demand letters and possible frivolous litigation brought forth by you. In other words, West Virginia is saying, look, we were working with the guy who has represented Bob Huggins all along to get this thing done, to help process this retirement, to help get him his his benefits that are afforded to him as a state employee, as a school employee. And we don't really know what to do right now. And so. I guess my just big takeaway now that everybody has the facts is this is just really sad, man. It's really sad. And it's, it's frankly just kind of really disappointing behavior for Bob Huggins do understand, you know, that, that obviously there are state laws in most States that, that, you know, limit what you can do in terms of firing somebody or letting somebody resign or whatever in the midst of, uh, you know, rehabilitation, which is what Bob Huggins has apparently done. But really, to me, this is just really, really, really sad for a couple of different reasons. First off, you know, doesn't it feel and, and maybe I'm wrong here. You guys and girls tell me if I'm wrong. YouTube comments, Twitter, whatever. It feels to me like Bob Huggins doesn't understand the severity of what he did. I understand he's a basketball coach. I understand it's what he's always done and it's what he wants to continue to do. But Bob Huggins, it's, it, it's a pretty bad track record for Bob Huggins right now. Remember, this was a DUI. This wasn't uh, running a red light. This wasn't jaywalking. This was a DUI nearly three times the legal limit per the police report. And oh, by the way, again, again, according to the police report, didn't know what city he was in. Thought he was in Columbus, Ohio, which is what, 90 minutes or something like that from Pittsburgh. Can't explain how he got there, why he's there. Hours in his day. This is really serious. And it comes off of... As I mentioned, an inappropriate comment made in a radio station. The school stood by him. And I should mention as well, it's not even his first DUI as he got one at Cincinnati many, many, many years ago. Not saying that he needs to be perfect. Not saying that I'm perfect. But come on, man. You're the probably the highest paid state employee, maybe the most prominent state employee in the state of West Virginia. You can't be acting like this one but you're literally putting people's lives in danger. 
Said it when Bob Huggins got arrested. We'll continue to say it. You want to have drinks? You're 69 years old. That's fine. We live in an Uber, uh, black car, Lyft world. Oh, by the way, outside of the fact that you could get an Uber or a Lyft, I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know. That, like, I don't know. I don't know. It just get a car, get a limo, get a this, get a that. I'm guessing you can afford it. Two, the thing that really stands out to me about this is now it's one thing if you're making it about you. Okay. It happens. We all are guilty of it sometimes. The problem with this is now Bob Huggins is hurting the people that he supposedly cares about, right? Because remember, it was his assistant that got the interim head coaching job. So by doing this, what you're basically saying is I want my job back and I want you to go back to holding my clipboard. That's not fair to the guy that maybe has a once in a lifetime opportunity because of your screw up. And oh, by the way, it's not fair to all the guys and girls on that staff whose careers were in jeopardy until the university decided to retain them. Everybody is in a different role because of Bob Huggins mistakes. Everyone could be looking for employment a year from now because of Bob Huggins mistakes. And he's pushing them aside and saying, I want my job back. And oh, by the way, what about all the players? There are players that could have entered the portal that decided to stay to play for this coaching staff because they wanted to represent the school, the state, represent Bob Huggins, but they've moved on. They're ready to play for Josh Eilert, the new head coach. You got to let it go, man. And three, I think what's mostly disappointing is like, he ain't getting the job back. Like, 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 I, I don't know what the end game here is for Bob Huggins. Does he really think he's getting his job back? Is there money that he wants? Remember, this guy is a West Virginia icon. This is a guy that led his state school to a final four in 2010. This is a guy that's done incredible work for his state. As his daughter said in her, her little statement a few weeks ago, 20 plus million raised for cancer research, other great things done. And so to do this, you're embarrassing yourself, you're embarrassing your state, you're embarrassing your employer, you're embarrassing your former players, your former assistants. It's just a bad, bad, bad look. I wish Bob Huggins would move on, man, get the help that he needs. Maybe he is currently in the process of doing that, but this is just such a bad look. All right, so what I want to do, take a quick break, come back, and when I come back, we're going to wrap. Peach Jam was this weekend. There was a lot of recruiting news that came out of there. We're going to take a quick break, talk about what we learned about Cooper Flag. Is there a second school that could be in the mix for Cooper Flag? There just might be. Dylan Harper, number one player in America uh, in the 2024 class anyway. AJ DeBonsa, uh, Cameron Boozer, on and on and on. Take a quick break. Be right back. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to go ahead and wrap with something that we talked about on Friday's Aaron Torres pod in the mailbag episode. If you remember, I had a listener ask me, hey, Torres, uh, are you going to talk Peach Jam? Are you going to talk AAU basketball, the biggest AAU event going on this summer? And so we really kind of focused on one player. His name's Cooper Flag, 6'9 forward from Maine, maybe the best player in high school basketball. And the fact that it looks as though he is going to reclassify and potentially play college basketball, not this coming year, but the following one. Anyway, Peach Jam went on throughout not only last week, but into this weekend. And what I want to do now is go ahead and pick about four, five, six storylines that I think emerged specifically as far as star players are concerned and where they could end up playing college basketball. 
Virtually all the best players in high school basketball were at Peach Jam. Most of them gave some form of an update in their recruitment. And so I want to hit on it briefly. Think of this as almost um, kind of like some of those uh, 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 transfer portal updates that we used to do during the spring. Just hit on five, six marquee players, where they could end up, and what we found out this weekend at Peach Jam. I wasn't able to go, but I was in touch all weekend with the people that were there. I think we actually got some very important tangible information out of this weekend. Let's start with the really big game on Sunday. It was the marquee game featuring essentially the, the, the two players that I think most people consider to be the two best players in high school basketball right now. It was the U16 championship. Now, for people who have never been to an AAU event, there are different levels. U17 is the highest, U16, U15. And for various reasons, even really good players will sometimes play in their age groups. We'll discuss that momentarily. But the U16 championship featured arguably the two best players in all of high school basketball, uh, Cameron Boozer, the son of Carlos Boozer, 6'9", 6'10", forward out of Florida, and the player I just mentioned, Cooper Flagg, the player out of Maine, played his high school basketball in Florida last year, who many believe to be the top player in high school basketball. Well, championship game of the 16-year-old AAU, or the 16U AAU event at Peach Jam goes final, and since... Cameron Boozer's team, the Knight Riders, won the event. Let's go ahead and talk about him and his team first. But what was interesting was, if you watched the game or at least monitored it on social media, I did have a chance to watch a little bit of it. Not only was Cameron Boozer not the best player on his on the court for the team that won the championship, he wasn't even the best Boozer on the court. So Cameron Boozer has a younger brother named Caden Boozer. Or excuse me, I, I take that back. He has a twin brother named Caden Boozer. And what's interesting is they're two completely different players. So Cameron Boozer is about a 6'9", 6'10", forward, super athletic. Uh, I don't know if he got the the athleticism from his mom because he plays way more above the rim than his dad. But the other brother, Caden Boozer, is about 6'3", 6'4". He's more of a point guard. And he was the star of the championship game on Sunday, finished with 23 points, five assists. He was phenomenal. And I'll just say bluntly, you know, I, I think I'm guilty of this as anybody. I spend way too much time focusing on the brother that's the number one player in America. This kid is phenomenal. He's a top 15 prospect in the country. This is now Caden Boozer that I'm talking about, the point guard. And just because he's a different player, it shouldn't take away from the fact that I believe that he is, if he continues on this trajectory, a future NBA player, maybe even potentially a one and done. 6'3", super quick, can get to the rim, you know, gets others involved, can hit an open three. He looks really, really, really good. And that's certainly not to take away from his brother, the number one to number two player in America, depending on what recruiting service you look at. Um, And what's fascinating about these two is both of them are actually only 15 years old. So both of them won't even be 16 years old until later in this month. Both of them have two years left of high school basketball because, as we said a week ago with Cooper Flag, you have to be 19 years you have to be 19 years old to be eligible for the NBA draft. So these kids still have two more years of high school plus their one and done year of college before we start talking about them as NBA draft prospects. But I think if both continue on their trajectory, they're going to play in the league and they're going to make a lot of money doing it. Now, what's interesting about their recruitments is this: I thought we got two very interesting developments this weekend. One, they did do an interview. I believe it was with Joe Tipton. If it wasn't, I apologize to the reporter who got the quotes. But they both said, we're planning on playing college basketball. 
We know there's a lot of great alternative leagues and G League Ignite and all this stuff, but our focus is on college. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We plan on being there. So if you're a college basketball fan, and I assume you are if you're listening to this, whether it's on YouTube or podcast, that's good news. They will play somewhere in college. The more interesting question now becomes, now that we know that they'll play in college, does anyone have a chance besides Duke? And that's where it gets very interesting to me because both players have said we're very open to the idea of going other places. And what's interesting is other schools are recruiting them as if they have a chance. North Carolina offered a few months ago. Hubert Davis was at all of their games this week. Hubert Davis is not acting like a man who is conceding them to Duke. Uh, John Calipari was at basically all of their games this week as well. So it's interesting and will be interesting to monitor going forward. Now, obviously, family ties are always a factor. But I will say, you know, there are often times where a player is slotted in whatever, and it doesn't always work out like that. Like, I, I think about Paulo Bancaro a few years ago. Both of his parents went to Washington, both legendary high school or, or, or athletes at Washington. He said, I want to go to Duke. So I would still make Duke the overwhelming favorite for both of those guys, but I do think it is worth monitoring going forward. These guys now just entering their junior years of high school. Let's keep it going. Let's go to the other side uh, of this game with Cooper Flagg, the player that we mentioned last week. By the way, before we get into Cooper Flagg, I should say this. Um, I had a few people kind of chirp at me uh, on YouTube mentions, Twitter, whatever, of why are you guys hyping him up so much? He is playing down a level in AAU. In other words, he could be playing at the highest level, 17U. He's only playing at 16U. Why aren't you talking about that? Well, the reason I'm not talking about it is... In some ways, it's kind of out of his control, okay? So for people who don't know how AAU basketball works, it's kind of interesting. Essentially, you have to play for a team in the state that you reside or in a bordering state, okay? The reason that rule is in place is because back about 10, 15, 20 years ago, in the old school, wild, wild west days of AAU basketball, you used to have teams flying players in from all over the country, and this guy's a five-star, and we're going to pay him to come play for us in this tournament. And, and, and so they, they changed the rules. And so my understanding is he has to play for a team that's either in Maine or a bordering state, and his AAU program, Maine United, does not have a 17U AAU team. Now, if he stays in high school basketball, they will obviously have one next year, but as of right now, they don't. And I'll be honest, I actually have – not only do I not have a problem with it, I actually think it's kind of cool. We know Cooper Flag is going to be in college soon, going to be a star, going to play in the NBA. But by staying with his local AAU team, he's giving a lot of exposure to a lot of other players that might not get it. So I think that's cool. Now, as far as the game was concerned on Sunday, this tells you how good this kid is. And, and you know, I'm not enough of a recruiting expert to say he's the definitive best player or this guy is. Is it Cameron Boozer? Is it AJ DeBonsai, who we'll talk about in a minute? Um, but the bottom line is he had what was considered his worst game of the tournament. This is Cooper flag. Now I'm talking about and still finished with 18 points in the championship game. So that shows you how good he has been all week in peach jam. And Oh, by the way, here are some of his other stat lines from the week, 34 points, 20 rebounds, 10 blocks, five assists in one game. The game that we talked about on Friday's show, 37 points, 12 rebounds, 10 blocks, six assists. 38 points, 16 rebounds, 12 assists, six, 12 blocks, six assists. So this guy's been awesome all week. Okay. So he uh he is on the losing team, but now we get to kind of see how his recruitment plays out. 
I do find it very interesting. You know, we talked again last week about the possibility, the likelihood maybe even of him reclassifying. At this point, I don't know how much he has to prove at the high school basketball level. Also, because he is 16 years old, uh, if he reclassifies, he will be able to more quickly get into the NBA draft. He will be 19 in 2025, which would mean that he would want to play college basketball, not this coming season, but the following one to be draft eligible. Hope you get all that. And the only thing that I would add to Cooper flag is this. Did the segment on Friday's show where we talked about him being an overwhelming Duke favorite. And I will tell you, I got three to four very interesting DMs that said there's one school that you should not count out in this kid's recruitment. Going to sound like a homer, but I'm going to tell you how, how it goes down. There's a lot of people that think UConn has an outside shot to get Cooper Flag. Why is that? Well, one, there's the obvious geography. From Maine, obviously, easy trip for his parents, his family. If you watched uh, the... the um, if you watched Peach Jam this week, you saw that they bring a crowd from Maine with them. And so obviously it'd be an easy commute for them. Also, there are some family ties with Cooper Flag. For people who do not know, uh, his mother played college basketball at the University of Maine. Not sure if you know who her teammate was at the University of Maine, but Donovan Klingon going to be a sophomore at UConn. His mom was actually a college teammate of Cooper Flagg's mom, so there's some kind of ties there. Donovan Klingon will probably be gone by the time Cooper Flagg ever plays college basketball. And then finally, I'll just say this. Dan Hurley was at every game that Cooper Flagg played this week. And so I can't sit here and say definitively that anyone other than Duke is a favorite to land Cooper Flagg. But what I can say definitively, Dan Hurley is not acting like a man that believes that he has no shot at the number one player in high school basketball. We will see if Cooper Flag reclassifies. I expect him to still. Again, there's no real rush on it from his perspective. But then also, it does feel like UConn feels like they have a real opportunity to get him. We will see what happens from there. Let's keep it going with another, a couple other really quick updates. One, uh, we've talked a lot about the, the players in the class of 2025, kids that are set to be juniors this year. Number one player in the class of 2024, so a player that is going to be a senior this year, Dylan Harper actually updated his recruitment a little bit. For people who don't follow recruiting, don't know who he is, you're listening to this to learn more about him, 6'4 guard. What's interesting about him is this, is that he is the son of Ron Harper, may remember him from the Chicago Bulls, Last Dance, all that good stuff, and his older brother is Ron Harper Jr., who just played at Rutgers. And so I bring it up because it appears as though Dylan Harper, who is set to be a senior, his recruitment appears to be down to two schools. Is it going to be Duke? Is it going to be Rutgers? Uh, he did an interview with Travis Branham where he said that he expects to make a commitment maybe after Peach Jam, maybe right before the high school season. But this is one worth monitoring. Obviously, Duke has to be deemed the favorite. But again, family ties to Rutgers. His brother played there. It's also worth noting, by the way, Rutgers actually right now has the number two player in the, the the upcoming senior class, a wing named Ace Bailey, committed to go there for the 2024-2025 season. I only bring it up to say it's not as though Dylan Harper would go there and not play with really good talent. Rutgers, of course, has had a couple really good seasons under Steve Peichel. Still, this one, I'd be shocked if it was anyone other than Duke. I, I think the Rutgers ties are there. 
But sometimes when Duke calls, it's tough to say no. And then obviously what would be interesting is, of course, if Cooper flag reclassifies. So there is a scenario where Rutgers could get the top two players in the class if they get Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey. But there's a possibility if Cooper flag reclassifies, he could be the number one player in America in 2024 and join Ron Harper. A couple other notes from the weekend. Staying in the high school class of 2024, guys that are set to be seniors this coming year. Trey Johnson, number three player in America, did a uh, interview with KSR, Jack Pilgrim, buddy of mine. I've had him on the show before. Really good stuff. Trey Johnson is down to six schools, but it doesn't feel as though doesn't feel as though there's much movement in his recruitment. Those six schools are Baylor, Texas, Kentucky, Kansas, Arkansas, Alabama. The only real interesting development in that piece is that Alabama appears set to get a visit from him, so that's something worth monitoring. But the favorites probably, in my opinion, for Trey Johnson are still the two Texas schools. His dad played at Baylor. Uh, His dad actually was coached by Rodney Terry, the new Texas coach, so there are major ties there. Feels like it's probably going to be one of the two Texas schools, but that is worth monitoring as well. Final few notes, uh, Ahmad Noel, high four-star guard. We actually talked about him. Remember, we got a question about UConn basketball recruiting. Well, Ahmad Noel is a player that I I believe is one of the better, more underrated guards in all of high school basketball. And he actually announced at Peach Jam, I believe, again, it was Jack Pilgrim who got the initial report, that he will be making a college commitment two weeks from now in late July, July 23rd, as a matter of fact. He's down to four schools. It is Kentucky, Tennessee, UConn, Georgia Tech. Early intel, early belief is that UConn, in my opinion, is probably the team that I like there. Northeast kid, whatever. Credit to Georgia Tech, by the way, for kind of getting in there with Damon Stoudemire, the new head coach there. I do think ultimately, though, probably my guess is UConn. We'll keep an eye on that one, especially as we get closer. Uh, Jaden Quaintance. Five-star in the class of 2025. Just talked about reclassification with Cooper Flag. This kid looks like he is going to go to 2024. Travis Graff uh, was the first one to report that. Uh, big athletic kid. He's a super athletic kid at about 6'10", 6'11". Um, Kansas, Kentucky in the mix. I think some of those pro options will be a factor for him. Maybe G League Ignite. Maybe uh, Overtime Elite, probably Ignite, to be honest, uh, but really talented big. He will be now in the class of 2024, and I believe once it becomes official, he'll probably be like a top five player in the class of 2024. Don't necessarily get the sense that he's ready to commit. And speaking of not ready to commit, name to keep an eye on in the future. I just said his name, AJ DeBonsai. Uh, oh, my goodness. The kid is phenomenal. Six foot eight from uh, Massachusetts. Interesting backstory. So he's actually a member of the class of 2026, which means he just finished his freshman year. It was funny. I I was watching one of his games on TV on Friday. You know, my wife walked in the room. She said, "Uh, what what are you watching? Is this? And I said, this is high school basketball. That kid right there just finished his freshman year of high school. Now he's a year older, but fascinating story from this perspective. He's from the Boston area. And he plays in the same AAU program as former Kentucky Wildcat Terrence Clark. Terrence Clark, unfortunately, people probably remember, passed away a few years ago, uh, was a one and done at Kentucky, entered the draft, 
got in a car accident tragically. But this kid grew up idolizing Terrence Clark. They look alike. They play alike. Number one player in the class of 2026. He is a player, in my opinion, that will probably reclassify at some point, be a member of the class of 2025. So how about a player that is just now entering his sophomore year, even though I do think that eventually he will uh, end up a class ahead. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. What a loaded show here in mid-July. And thank you guys and girls for your support. Numbers continue to be amazing. Uh, YouTube, we actually doubled our numbers from June year over year. I think I mentioned that earlier in the show. So thank you guys and girls for your support. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. I'll say this. We got great response to the mailbag segment. Not only great questions, but beyond that, um, a lot of downloads, a lot of listens, a lot of feedback. So we will do that again in the future. Make sure to send your questions to Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Uh, I'll be back later this week and uh, hopefully have some fun guests lined up. There is a chance like I could get like a really, 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 really big guest later in the week. I'll keep you posted on that. Uh, also another guest from summer league as well. So a lot of guests potentially coming, but that's all for today's show. Time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You F Unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Wednesday. New episode. Aaron Torres pod.